It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about their first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't know. A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine, and I appreciate you listening to this podcast each and every day. We're growing and growing and growing, and it's because of you. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine. Man, it's been a huge week. If you've missed any of our shows, Go back, listen to him, because there, there's a bunch there. A one-on-one with Carlos Dunlap, who to me has been the best Bengals defend, defender for sure. A member of the defense, defensive lineman, and he's killing it. I mean, he's killing it. He's outplaying everybody else. He's been consistent all season. And uh, I talked to him about Vontez Perfect and so much more. Check that out yesterday. Here on Locked on Bengals, you get exclusive Bengals content knowledge straight from Paul Brown Stadium. So if you don't live in Cincinnati and you like the Bengals, if you do live in Cincinnati and you don't go to many games or you can't tune into this or that, you get 20 minutes each and every day, Bengals content coverage, exclusive interviews and sound from the locker room in one spot. It's Locked On Bengals. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. I appreciate you joining me each and every day. And this is a Thursday tradition. Every Thursday, Joe Goodberry joins me to preview the upcoming matchup. And if you're not familiar with Joe's work, he he also joins me on 700 WLW and ESPN 1530 the day after every Bengals game to recap it in our weekly Bengals film review. Joe joins us now. Joe, I know the Browns are 0-6, but the Bengals are just 2-4, and and I don't know if it's Hugh Jackson. I don't know what it is, but I'm not thinking that this is a shoe-in win for the Bengals, despite Vegas favoring them by 10, despite them being at home. I think this might be a tough game. Yeah, not only is it a division game, and these games are, you know, should be expected to be close and at least tough and, and, and hard fought. But I think Hugh Jackson's doing a good job with the Browns, even though they're winless. Uh, he's got a lot of players playing above what you would expect from them or above what you thought their talent level may have been coming into the year. So, you know, the team is playing a little bit better. They they can be dangerous on any given play. I think uh, as you watch the Browns into the second half, similar to what we've seen in the Bengals' losses too. Games are close in the first half. Second half, they, they end up losing by double digits. I, a lot of the same has happened with the Browns. Uh, just I'm thinking of the Ravens game in week two or week three. They were up 21 nothing at, at one point, ended up losing that game. Uh, they just haven't been able to hold on. I, I think they're just, you know, as far as depth, 
they're not there, obviously. This is a bad team, maybe the worst team in the league. But at the same time, they've made some big plays. Their running game is as good as any team in the league. And Brawl Pryor can score on any given play. So they are dangerous, even if they are bad. Here's what I, I find interesting, and, and there, there's a variety of things on the Browns' offense, believe it or not, that, that interests me. Uh, a couple stats I want to get to first. Isaiah Crowell, Duke Johnson, both averaging over five yards a carry. To me, they, they resemble you know, the Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard dynamic for Cleveland, and so far they've led the, the Browns on offense and kept them in games. Yeah, but they're completely – just up front, they're running so much better than the Bengals are. When you watch this offensive line, and I think the Browns are on their third center, and their right tackle has been a, an issue, but they still are finding ways to run the ball. Uh, and this is without a good quarterback. This is without a threat like A.J. Green. Uh, I think the Bengals can learn a lot from what Hugh Jackson and, the, and that Browns offense are, are doing with Cole and Duke Johnson. And Duke Johnson is a threat out of the backfield, much like Giovanni Bernard as a receiver. So this this tandem is really, really good, and if you're not, you know, if you're going into this game thinking if that's all we have to worry about for the Browns, uh, we should be fine. I would agree, but at the same time, that running game has run over almost every single team so far this year, and it's going to keep them in the games. And I, one stat I saw today, it was from Pro Football Focus, Cody Kessler, the Browns' rookie quarterback, who certainly wasn't expected to play at all this year. Griffin goes down week one with an injury, McCown the next week. Kessler goes in there. He's only thrown one interception so far this season, and he's been pressured on his dropbacks at a higher percentage than any other quarterback in the NFL. I think it's something like 40%. So I look at it two different ways. One, he under pressure, he's, been, he's used to it, and he stays composed. Two, the Bengals' uh, defensive line should be able to put pressure on the young quarterback. Yeah, this should be very similar defensively to how they played the uh, Miami Dolphins. Dolphins offensive line really struggles with pass protect. It's been the same issue with the with the Browns. Um, the passing offense isn't dynamic, same as we saw with the Dolphins. I think we should have a lot of opportunity to not only blitz, but you know when we're only rushing four, the Bengals should be able to get home often. Uh, but Cody Kessler, you're right. I thought he was kind of a guy, uh, a prospect that would be a pro-ready guy, a guy that can come in, maybe not have the upside as a franchise starter, but a guy that's probably going to play a few games over his career and probably be in the league for eight to ten years just because he's has the minimum of everything you want. He may not be special in any in any category, but he makes a lot of plays. He makes a lot of throws. He makes a lot of smart decisions. I think we've seen that so far this year, and you know, if you're not careful – he could probably beat you. I know they haven't yet, but I, there was a few throws last week that he made, and I'm like, you know, these are high-level throws, and, and I think the Browns may have found at least a, a career backup in Kessler. We're joined by Joe Goodberry here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, in to, to clean up that stat, it was 48% of the time Kessler's been pressured uh, 48% of the time of his dropbacks. One, There's a couple receivers that we're familiar with. One, let's start with the former Ohio State quarterback, a guy that was here to play quarterback last season, Terrell Pryor, ends up in Cleveland. What have you seen from him on film? Because to me, I've watched him very minimally. Looks like a, a very good NFL wide receiver. Yeah, I'm wondering how many teams are kicking themselves right now. Because <laughs> All of them? He bounced around a lot of teams. Yeah, it, he bounced around a lot of teams, and a lot of teams – I don't know if they tried to make him a quarterback or if he was that adamant about playing quarterback. But you see him now, and you're like, man, he is a, a good receiver. He's athletic. He's strong. He, he's tall, obviously. Uh, he's got really good hands. And his route running, for only doing it for, what, a year and a half now, 
his route running is very good. I, I, I'm impressed with him completely up and down. He looks like a true number one type receiver. And the Browns are kind of forcing the ball to him like he is, uh, you know, when he was healthy. Right now, he, he didn't practice yesterday. But in last week, you could tell they didn't try to force it to him as much. But in the previous weeks, uh, they're just giving him the ball every opportunity because he's really the standout guy in that offense. And, yeah, I think every team is kind of like, man, we missed something here. But at the same time, I wonder if Pryor thinks I should have been a receiver all along. You know, where would he be right now? Yeah, I, he has to think about it. I know yesterday Marvin said Hugh Jackson, when he was here in Cincinnati, did mention it to him. Hey, he, you could be play wide receiver. I don't think he was open to it. And uh, his rejection from the NFL led to him converting positions, and it's obviously worked out. Another wide receiver that the Bengals are familiar with, that we're familiar with, Andrew Hawkins. I, I loved his game when he was here. Haven't watched him a ton in Cleveland. I know he had a touchdown a couple weeks back. What have you seen from him? Is he still just as explosive as he was during his time with the Bengals? You know, I don't know if he is as explosive as he was, but he's still very dangerous, especially after the catch. Uh, he's still doing pretty much the same thing he was in Cincinnati. He's playing in the slot, playing more of a gadget role. Uh, he gets his three or four catches a game. I don't see him on special teams as much as I did uh, when he was with the Bengals. He was a really fantastic gunner, punk gunner for the Bengals, and I thought he had a lot of value there. He's not doing that with the Browns. But on offense, yeah, he can still make a guy miss here or there. Uh, I remember just remember with the Bengals, he was one of my favorite players to watch, man. He was just Absolutely. so electric, so agile, so quick and elusive. Uh, I remember that was the year the Bengals lost him. I think Tavon Austin was going in that draft uh, to the Rams, went top 10. And I think Austin was helped a lot by what the Bengals were doing with, with uh, Andrew Hawkins on, on maybe a smaller level. A team like the Rams are like, you know, we can take a guy like Austin and see what the Bengals are doing with Hawkins and just make our offense that more explosive. So I think Hawkins did a lot for guys uh, that size. And they've been there before, but just how the Bengals used him and going in the playoffs and Bengals were in the spotlight that those couple of years, I think it helped a lot, of, a lot of teams be comfortable with that type of player. Someone I think of as Cole Be- Beasley in Dallas. He's yep. very similar to Andrew Hawkins also. you know. So he kind of paved the way for a lot of those guys in the current generation of NFL. Funny, funny, ironic uh, fact about that is Andrew Hawkins was once a member of the Rams. They cut him a day after they signed him. So yeah, that's <laughs> then they... kind of funny. I remember there's like a, I think there's a YouTube video of him running routes as a Rams receiver and just cutting guys up too. And it's like you know you probably only got cut because of your size, and that, that's kind of sad to say because he ended up working out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe, let's flip sides here. Look at the other side of the ball, and this is a game. I know we haven't seen probably the the best Bengals offense, but Tyler Eifert's practicing. They seem to be getting in sync. Tyler Boyd was involved more last week. Brandon LaFell's caught touchdowns back-to-back weeks. This offense should succeed against the Browns' defense. Am I right? (laughs) It should, yes. Uh, The Browns' defensive line has been pretty poor this year outside of Danny Shelton as a run stuffer, who's actually been very good at nose tackle. But, uh, They've got Carl Nassib at defensive end, Jamie Meter at defensive end, two guys that aren't – Nassib's a rookie. Uh, Meter's just a veteran type of, you know, just a solid five-tech defensive end, but not athletic at all. I watch him every week, and he's just not going to make any plays. They do bring bring in Emmanuel Ogba. Uh, I think this is his second year, but he's still very raw as a pass rusher. Uh, I just think their front seven can be run on all day, and they're not going to provide much as a pass rushing unit. And that secondary, without Joe Hayden, he didn't play last week, he didn't practice the last two days. If he's not playing, 
I like the Bengals offense much more. What has Joe Hayden done during his, his matchups against A.J. Green? To, I don't know if it's get in his head or frustrate him, because I haven't seen that much from other corners. A.J. Green appears unguardable when the Bengals try to get him the ball. But against, against Joe Hayden, historically, I just remember him not having huge numbers. I think it's the familiarity. Uh, you know, when you play against somebody, and I think they played in high school and college against uh, each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you play against them, it could be you and your best friend playing pickup basketball, and eventually you just learn his moves, and you just know what his moves look like before he does them. It, the way Hayden would cover green sometimes, you'd watch on film, and, he, and then the next week, Hayden would get chewed up a little bit by a different receiver, and you would just be like, why is he covering green so much better than he covers other guys? I think the Browns were also smart those past couple of years. They've had good defenses, or at least solid defenses for how bad they've been. They always gave Hayden help. They always rolled a, a linebacker underneath. They weren't going to let their best corner to get beat, and they weren't going to let the Bengals' best offensive player beat them. Uh, either way, I, I feel much more comfortable if he's not in the lineup because, as we've seen, the offense has flowed through A.J. Green. And if Hayden's not out there, uh, I expect him to have a big day. Joe, you mentioned that the Cleveland Browns' defense gives up yards on the ground. Would you expect or hope and be hopeful that the Bengals could get the ground game working for a full 60 minutes for the first time this season on Sunday? Yeah, I, I'm hopeful, but <laughs> if it happens, uh, you know, it, we'll go into this game, we'll come out on Monday and we'll be like, man, what happened? Now they're going to run the ball still, right? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I, is Jeremy Halalty now, is, is that, is, did that hold him back the last couple of weeks? Are they still going to go with Giovanni Bernard as the lead guy, even though Hill may be healthy? I kind of hope they do. Uh, are they going to say, you know, we can run the ball, so we don't have to bring in extra offensive linemen. We don't have to bring in a, an extra tight end and try and bunch everyone together and run the ball because I don't think that's helping them very much, especially when you watch it in, on tape. Their tights are so split on the offensive line. Bringing in extra guys or bringing in more defenders, and it's just making it harder for them to run block. I think you should go more free wide receivers. Spread it out just a little bit more, especially if Tyler Eifert's playing. You'll be able to do that and get safeties, get linebackers out of the, out of the box. They should be able to run the ball much better if, if that's the case. And that's why I think Giovanni Bernard fits better for them to run the way their offensive line is blocking right now. And the way probably their talent is spread out, uh, I just hope they continue with Bernard as the lead guy. And maybe this is the week that um, Jeremy Hill gets a nice run or a couple of nice runs if he's healthy again. Joe, I'm going to be pessimistic here just to have you explain to our listeners and fans why maybe they should be optimistic about a few areas of the Bengals' defense that may have gotten exposed to the Patriots, but it's the Patriots. One, linebackers. I think Duke Johnson is better than James White. He's going to be running routes and, and different things into the flat. He could be really effective if Carlos Dansby plays the way he did last week and the Bengals' linebackers play the way they did last week. The other thing, Terrell Pryor... 6-4. I don't think Adam Jones guards him. If he does, that's a huge size advantage. And the other guy, Dre Kirkpatrick, I'm not sure Dre can stay with and guard Terrell Pryor every play. What do you think about uh, those two things and how the Bengals go in, in matchup against the Browns? Yeah, I'm going to start with Pryor in that matchup. Uh, go back a couple weeks to when the Patriots played him. The Patriots put a safety over on his side, and much like the defenses do to the Bengals and say, we're not letting Green get open, we're going to put a safety over there, you make those other guys beat us, a lot of teams are starting to do that with the Browns. And if the Patriots are doing it, I'm going to take the advice and say, yeah, let's take Terrell Pryor out of the game by putting a safety over on his side also. Uh, whatever side he's going to line up on, go with that corner, because really, like you said, I don't feel 100% confident with either guy on him. But put a safety over there, try and take him out. 
beat us with these other guys, please. Uh, you know, if if it's if it's the other guys beating us up, I'd rather that than Terrell Pryor. At least we can say we took one of their better players, if not their best offensive player, out of the game. Um, reasons to be excited on defense. Last week the Bengals were kind of, you know, the first half they looked pretty good shutting down the the Patriots offense. They went with more man coverage. They figured, look, those receivers aren't going to beat us up. We can cover them in man coverage. Uh, we're just going to have to give up a little something to the running backs and tight ends by doing it. And they felt comfortable. You know, they don't, if you play against the Patriots, you get picked apart in zone. And the Bengals didn't want to do that. They played much more man than normal. I think in the second half, the Patriots recognized that. Came out in halftime and said, okay, if you're going to play man coverage like this, we're not going to force it to Edelman. We're not going to look for stuff to get open underneath. We're just going to start giving it to our tight ends, and our tight ends are going to, and we saw Bennett and Gronk just <laughs> ran over the Bengals' defense. And then James White out of the backfield needed to be covered by Dansby, by Burfick, by Josh Shaw. Just wasn't working. The, bank, the Patriots scored a touchdown, three different touchdowns on the same exact play, all because the Bengals never changed up their, their coverage. They kept going with the same thing over and over again. I don't expect that same type of thing uh, against the Browns. I think the Bengals will be able to be a little bit more flexible without uh, as many weapons on the Browns, without being scared of Cody Kessler the same way you would be of Tom Brady. I think you can make your coverages. You can actually blitz a little bit more. You can design some things, maybe get a defender's hand on the ball finally. It's been a few weeks. I'm a little bit more optimistic going into this game. I think as a whole, it kind of felt like listening to the press conference yesterday from Marvin Lewis, the entire team is a little bit more optimistic. I'm wondering if it's because uh, Big Ben's out four to six weeks now, if the entire team's thinking, you know, a couple wins, we can get right back in this thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think so. I think if Ben doesn't get injured and the Steelers would have beat Miami the other day, then it's over. You're not winning the division. Yeah. And instead now Flacco injured, playing against a, a New York team that's in peril but still on the road. And then Ben obviously out and the Steelers going to lose to the Patriots. It opens the door right back up in the AFC North, and I think this is certainly a good uh, opportunity for the Bengals. And I, I was playing really pessimistic there, and I just wanted to to counteract it. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. I know that was good for our listeners. Yeah, and it's not hard to be, you know, positive with – I mean, it's hard to be positive with the team right now. There's a lot going on with them offensively and defensively. But, you know, when you see the rest of the division falling apart – uh, you wake up on Wednesday, Thursday, you're like, okay, I'm ready to start next week. Let's, let's string a couple wins together. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, I appreciate it as always. I will uh, talk to you Monday, and hopefully for Bengals fans' sake, for the Bengals' sake, we're talking about a win over the Cleveland Browns. Yep, I'll talk to you then, James. That's Joe Goodberry. You can follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Great stuff from him as always. He's going to join us before every Bengals game and uh, preview that here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to it. Listen to it daily. We're growing, growing, and growing. Any Bengals fan you know, anyone interested in Cincinnati Bengals football, you're going to get stuff here that you don't get elsewhere. Like yesterday, you heard from Carlos Dunlap. That's not, you don't hear that anywhere else. You got it from me. It was a one-on-one exclusive. So that, uh, I mean, you got Marvin Lewis yesterday talking about Vontez Perfect. You heard Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth, defend Vontez Perfect on yesterday's show. So if you miss a show, you can go back to it. That's why I tell you to subscribe. iTunes, audioboom.com, Stitcher, it's all there, one spot. I'm James Rapine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. And until 
next time. I'm James Erpine. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.